Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Honored to uh, be asked to share the word tonight and uh, and give Dave and Marilyn a, a much needed break and some time camping, which I know they, they love to do together. Tonight we're going to be going through, uh, you can go ahead and turn there to 2 Kings, the 6th chapter. We're going to look at some verses in the Old Testament. And uh, when I get to it, we'll be starting in verse 8. And that's 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse 8. As I was uh, praying about this message tonight, I kind of had a flashback of uh, several years ago, um, shortly after my dad had passed away, and he had lived with us for quite a few years. And uh, after he'd passed away, I was sitting at my desk in my home office and just kind of sitting there, I don't know, I was doing paperwork or computer or whatever. And uh, I happened to look over and I saw a pair of his sunglasses sitting on the corner of the desk. And so just, I don't know, just out of spontaneity, I just grabbed them and I put them on and I just started looking through, the, you know, around the room, just kind of thinking about my dad. And, and I heard this still small voice. He says, what's it like to look through your father's eyes? And I knew at that moment that it wasn't, he what, it was the Lord speaking to me, but not about my earthly dad. He was talking about my heavenly father. What's it like to look at life, to look at the world through our Father's eyes. And, you know, it's different when we look through our own eyes or when we look through the eyes of faith, amen? It, it's a whole different perspective. It, it takes faith to see as God sees because it's faith that can correct our spiritual vision, you know, and it allows us to see things from God's perspective. And Dave's been talking th about that over the last few weeks. So faith allows us to see our circumstances, our troubles, and even our life through our Father's eyes and not just our own. And as I was praying about this, I came up with several examples. And this is just a short list. I could probably come up with a whole lot more about looking through our Father's eyes. And here's what I came up with. If we're just looking through our eyes, we can see all the problems. Looking through a father's eyes, we can see his purpose. If we're just looking through our eyes, we can see all the unanswered questions. If we're looking through our father's eyes, we can see all his answers. If we're just looking through our eyes, we can see hopelessness. But if we're looking through a father's eyes, we can see the hope. If we're just looking through our eyes, we can see our own limitations. But if we look through our Father's eyes, we can clearly see the possibilities. If we're just looking through our eyes, we can see defeat. But if we look through our Father's eyes, we'll be able to see the victory. And I had a whole longer list, and this is just some of what I was coming up with, and God was just downloading. <laughs> it was pretty fun. But perspective is important, and it's important. And so the decisions that we make and, and how we choose to, to live our lives are often based on how we, we see things, amen? So it's important. Now there's an unknown quote, and I don't know who wrote this, but it says this, 
Are we so focused on the hell around us that we can't see heaven's solution that's right in front of us? That's powerful. I wish I could find out who wrote it, but nobody seems to know. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> no. But are we so focused on the hell around us that we can't see heaven's solution that's right in front of us? But the word of God reminds us that God is constantly with us. He's surrounding us. He's fighting for us. He's helping us in our times of trouble, even when we can't see him. Now, over the last couple of weeks, Dave has been uh, in, in different series, but he mentioned in a recent message that there's more going on around us than the natural eye can see. And he said that, that we often walk around oblivious to what's going on around us in the spiritual realm and that there's a battle that's taking place on our behalf every moment in the heavenlies. But the problem is we can't see it. And then last week in his message, David pointed, Dave pointed out that the Bible tells us that if we could just look at life from God's perspective, that we could see that ultimately God is in total control and we can find hope even in the total chaos. So Dave, I took notes. <laughs> and uh, so tonight I'm going to look, I'm going to expand on that theme a little bit. And I'm going to look at one of my favorite Old Testament stories that brings the spiritual battle that we're talking about more into focus and, and shows us really how, how faith can help us have eyes to see and, and, and look at things from a different perspective. And that's 2 Kings. And I'm just going to read this whole section here. And then I'm going to go back and kind of give um, an overview and some things that I want to point out in it. But 2 Kings... 6, this will be 8 through 23. Now the king of Aram was at war with the Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place, which means he's going to set ambushes. Wherever he sets his camp, he's, gonna, he's planning to do an ambush against the king of Israel. And the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked out on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. And so he summoned his officers and he demanded of them, Tell me, which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Well, none of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But it's Elijah, the prophet who is in Israel, and he tells the king of Israel the very words you speak even in your bedroom. <laughs> Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men out to capture him. And then a report came back that he's in Dothan. And then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, and, and they went by night and they surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that now he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Lord, strike this enemy 
or this army with blindness? And so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And Elisha told him, this isn't the road and this isn't the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, now open their eyes of these men so they can see. And then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? It's like, huh, huh, can I, can I? <laughs> so do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and returned to their master. So the bands of Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. I love this story. But I want to give you kind of my overview of some things that I, I came across as, as I, I kind of dive back through this a little bit. So as a background, the, the kingdom of Israel is at war with the kingdom of Aram, which is actually Syria. Okay, and, and the king of Israel seems to be able now to protect the, the king of Syria's every move. Every time he tries to set an ambush, he knows right where he's going to be, and he's able to, to avoid the situation. And it seems like uh, the king and Israel, the army is always one step ahead of, of Syrian's army and, and would choose to go around another way. Well, obviously, is this going to frustrate the king, right? He said, I'm trying my hardest to get, get after these guys and to defeat them, but it's just not working. Somebody is giving them my plans. And so he assumes that he has a spy in the camp, but there wasn't any spy. It was God who was speaking to his servant, his prophet, Elisha, and was giving him the inside information. And then Elisha was then passing on that information to the king of Israel. And so in the story, when the king of, of, um, of Aram was told about Elisha, he immediately gathers his army and sends them out. He says, we've got to stop this nonsense. You know, I'm trying to defeat these guys, and, and this guy's just giving us all, all the information, and, and I, I just can't get ahead. I can't get after him. I can't get him. So he, he was, after he was told about Elisha, he sent this army. So then it goes on to say in the story, after one morning, and I, I think after a nice breakfast the sun's coming up and the heat's coming through the window they're having lamb and eggs <laughs> or something <laughs> you know and and it says that the servant gets up and he and he pulls back the curtains and and he looks out and what he sees is this army that's advancing toward them and a matter of fact they've got the entire city surrounded and so, it, obviously, fear and panic is setting into the servant, and he's, he's crying out in the story, and he goes, Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? It's hopeless. There's no way out. We should just give up. We should just get surrender, or we should just surrender. You ever feel like that when you're feeling pressed in on all sides, and, and, like there's, and you, you even say, God, it's hopeless? Well, that's kind of the way the servant was feeling. And I think the servant fully expected Elijah just to, bowled out the back door and head for the hills and, and hide. But that's not what he did. Instead, Elisha calmly replies to the servant. He said, don't be afraid. We have more forces on our side 
than we have, than they have on theirs. Powerful statement. And a true statement. He says, now can you imagine the servant's initial response? Now remember, he's looking out the window. All he's seeing is this army and they're, and they're starting to move toward, toward where they're at. And, and Elisha says, don't, don't worry about it, you know? And it's like, wait a minute, Elisha, are you looking through the same window I am? You know, are you blind? Can't you see what's coming at us? But then that's when Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Yes. Notice that Elisha didn't pray that God would send help because Elisha knew the help was already there. They were already standing on top of that hill. And, he's, and so he simply prayed that the servant's eyes would be open now to see what God was already doing, what God had already put in place. And so God answers Elisha's prayer, and when the servant looks out that window again, it says that he, he sees past the enemy. And now he sees the, an army of holy angels covering the entire hillside, covered with horses and chariots of fire, and they've got now the whole Syrian army surrounded. And as Dave put it in one of his messages, this is where the invisible became visible. Amen? So the servant now had the ability to see through heaven's eyes and not just his own. Then the army, it says, continued to advance. And then Elisha prays again. And he said, Lord, please strike these people with blindness. And again, it says that the Lord heard his prayer and answered by striking the entire enemy blind. Now imagine the chaos that happened. Here they are, they're, they're expecting to overtake these, you know, th this prophet, and all of a sudden they're struck blind. I mean, they're probably falling off their horses. They're probably tripping over themselves. And, you know, who knows what else was going on. I, I think they were freaking out at this point. I mean, wouldn't you if you're just like instantly blind? And so, now this is my favorite part of the story. Elisha, now I believe full of confidence. These guys are stumbling around blind, right? Elisha walks out full of confidence, full of faith. And I'm sure he had just a little bit of attitude. <laughs> when he walked out, he goes right in front of the entire army, right? And, and in their confusion, he says, it says that they, he convinces them that they've made a mistake and they've come to the wrong, they've come to the wrong city. And he said, hey, I'll, I'll take you to where you need to be. I'll take you to, who, to whoever you're looking for. Now, this is how my mind works. Star Wars. He pulled an Elisha one Kenobi. <laughs> These aren't the men you're looking for. Yeah, this isn't the place you're looking for. I'll take you to where you need to be. And they're going, oh, okay. You know, that, that's the way my mind works. So sorry. But <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's almost too obvious. Uh, I, th I think maybe he saw that and wrote that in the script. But anyway. Uh, but they obviously they're blind. They didn't have a whole lot of choice. And so they, it says that they followed Elijah right into the heart of the city. And the city uh, uh, was the capital of the northern, northern kingdom of Israel at that time. And, and so here the much larger Samaritan army had now surrounded the army of Aram. And, and, and Elisha prays again, right? Open their eyes now, Lord, and let them see. I love it. And as their eyes are open and their vision returns, now they realize they've been duped. They've been tricked. Said, I mean, their eyes are open and, oh, no. 
you know. And so, th so they're standing there. They're dumbfounded. They're who knows. But what my point here is that it was God's protection that surrounded Elijah and his servant and, pr and, and protected them. And ultimately, his protection saved Israel from destruction. Okay? And then there's a, a plot twist that happens in this story. And I'd never caught this before until I, I really sat down and studied it. And it's, it says the king of Israel wanted to have them all killed. Right? But then Elijah says this to the king. We don't kill prisoners of war. Instead, give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So it says that a great feast was prepared and they were sent on their way and they says they never threatened God's people again. Now, if we go to the New Testament, James 2.13 reminds us that we're not to judge others. We're to love them. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's what we see in place here. See, Elisha didn't lead this blinded army into captivity. He led them into freedom. Yeah. Amen? Isaiah 55, 7. This is out of the New Living Testament. It says, Let the wicked change their way and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. And that's what Elisha was doing here. He was bringing God's forgiveness. And he was bringing them into a newfound freedom. And I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit more here in a minute. But today in our world, we see that, that God's people are once again, I believe, being threatened like, like never before. Okay, it seems like the battles that we're facing are intensifying. Would you agree with that? Okay, whether they're spiritual, physical, emotional, political, whatever, the battle's intensifying, and we can all feel it. And the persecution of believers we see is expanding all over the world. And there's a war going on against Christianity that seems to be increasing every day. And we see many that are starting to lose some hope, okay? And they're starting to become fearful just like Elisha's servant was. But the body of Christ needs to ask God to open our eyes yeah. that, that we can start to see the spiritual rea reality that there are more of us than there are of them. Amen. And that this angelic army has got us surrounded too. And that God is in total control, no matter how we feel, no matter what we see. Psalm 91.11 says this, that he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. See, the Lord is stronger than the most powerful enemy that we could ever imagine. That the Lord is always there watching he's always there protecting us even if we can't see it so this is how we face our battles or we fight our battles number one we ask God to open up our eyes and show us how to fight in this unseen heavenly realm with the weapons that we've already been given 
but also, according to this, that we must show mercy. We must show mercy to those that have been blinded to the truth. So yeah, it's a fight, it's a battle, and and we're waging warfare in the spirit, but to those that, that, that are lost and blind, we need to show God's love. We need to show God's mercy and not lead them into captivity, but into freedom. We're to pray that their eyes would be opened. And as the story concludes here, that we were to invite them to join us in that great feast that's awaiting all who give their lives to Christ. For our, because it's been prepared for everyone who calls Jesus Lord. And so the whole point of this story, and, and really the whole point of my message, is seeing is believing. And I want to make three points as, we, as I tie this all together. Three points that the, I believe this story shows us quite clearly. Number one, God's presence surrounds us all the time, everywhere. When Elijah's servant looked out of the window and all he saw was the enemy, it says that immediately this fear and this panic set in and overtook him. But then Elisha prayed that God would open his eyes and then he realized that God was on their side, right? And through the story, we're, we're reminded that God's on our side, that he's with us, whatever we may be facing. The word says that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And the Bible also teaches us that God's omnipresent, right? He's everywhere, all the time. Psalm 139, 7 through 8, David writes this, Where can I go to escape from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I go to, up to heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in Shoal, you're there. Psalm 34, 7 says this, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he will deliver him. So the point is, God's always with us. God's surrounding us, no matter what we're facing, that we can't escape his presence, even if you try, because that's how much he loves us. Amen. He's always there. It's like angels in the outfield. We're always watching, you know. He's always there. So we just have trouble seeing him. But fear, <clears throat> worry, and doubt can sometimes make us spiritually blind. We can't see spiritual realities as clear maybe as, as we once did. Anybody agree with that? Have you, like one time, like your spiritual senses, your antenna were up and you could just sense God everywhere and in anything and then life happens and things happen and all of a sudden your senses get dull, your, your spiritual senses get, senses get a little more dull? And it's that's like not as clear as it used to be. And I was thinking of an example. It's kind of like having cataracts. <laughs> cataracts basically are the clouding of your of your lens of your eye. And and what that happens, it, you're, you you start to look out, and it just becomes frosty or, or 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 clouded, right? Well, sin can distort our spiritual view. We need to be aware of that. 
So we need to clean our lens with, of faith by prayer, by worship, and the Word of God. And when we're cleansing our spiritual eyes that way with those three things, we'll start to see clearly again. It's like cleaning contacts. It's an, another illustration I thought of. Uh, Paula cleans her contacts every night, right? And what does that do? You're, you're washing, washing off the dirt and the grime, but most of all, you're washing off the impurities, right? So worship, the Word of God, prayer, washes our spiritual eyes of the impurities that maybe we've looked at. Think about that. The Word of God is the lens the lets in the light of God's truth. And it gives us the ability to see that we're surrounded constantly by God's love, by God's grace, and by God's power, no matter what we might be going through. And there's a song that we used to sing, and I'm sure you guys have done it here, and you probably all know it, but it almost to me is a prayer. It, and it goes, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, because I want to see you. I want to see you high and lifted up and shining in the light of your glory. So, Lord, pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. God, I want to see you. That should be our prayer each and every day. God's holy presence is constantly surrounding us. But we just need to have our eyes open to see it. That's number one. <laughs> number two. So the first one was God's presence. Number two is God's protection. Is covering us. Psalm 91.4 He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And that's what I believe Elisha's service, our servant witnessed after his eyes were open. See, God lifted the veil that separated the earthly realm from the heavenly realm and allowed the servant to see the army of angels riding fiery chariots and, and surrounding the enemy. And in times like we're living in now with the battles that we're facing, we, we need to have our spiritual eyes open to know that God's angels are surrounding us protecting us, and be reminded that God is mightier than any enemy we might face. God is our shelter. He's our shelter from the storm. He's our hiding place. He's our strong tower. He's our protector in times of trouble. He is always there, and his protection is always covering us. Psalm 121, 1 through 8, this is out of the Passion Translation he says, I look up to the mountains and hills longing for God's help. But then I realize that our true help and protection come only from the Lord, our creator who made the heavens and the earth. And he will guard and guide me, never letting me stumble or fall. God is my keeper and he will never forget nor ignore me. He will never slumber nor sleep. He is your guardian God. For his people, Israel, Jehovah himself will watch over you 
And he's always at your side to shelter you safely in his presence. He's protecting you from all danger both day and night. He will keep you from every form of evil or calamity as he continually watches over you. And you will be guarded by God himself. You will be safe when you leave your home and safely you'll return. God will protect you now and he will protect you forevermore. Great word and it's truth. See, God's surrounding presence is what gives us the strength to face the battles and to see those battles from God's perspective. See, it turns our eyes from the battle that we're facing to the victor that's standing above us. We just need a shift in our vision. <laughs> and that's Jesus. And so my last point, the third point on this, is now that God's providence prepares us. We've heard it said that God makes a way where there is no way. Do you believe that? We see it all through, through Scripture. And that word providence comes from a Greek, Greek word, pranoia, and that means to have foresight or to make provision beforehand. It means to have <clears throat> everything in place and the ability to make adjustments whenever necessary in order to accomplish a goal. In the English dictionary, I looked that up, providence, and it's defined as the act of seeing, providing, and preparing for the future. Isn't that what God does? Biblically, it means that God has the foresight and the power to watch over, protect, and provide for all of his creation. God sees the big picture. See, folks, our, our vision is limited by time and space. But God sees beyond time. Think about that. Something that we really can't understand, but we know that it's true. God sees beyond time. There's a quote I love by a man named John Blanchard, and he says this, the same God that controls the sun cares for the sparrow. So why should we be so anxious and fearful about what tomorrow holds when we know the one who holds tomorrow? See, when Elisha's servant first looked out the window that early morning, he couldn't see God's presence his protection, or his providence. All he saw was the problem. And that's what many of us do. We just focus on the problem. You know, but it's God's presence, God's protection, and God's providence that moves us from fear to faith. I'll say that again. It's God's presence protection and providence that can move us from fear to faith. Because guys, God's in control. His plans aren't going to be defeated. All his purposes and plans for our lives are going to be accomplished. But we just need to have our eyes open to see what he sees in us as well as for us and around us. And we need to trust him with our whole heart. 
know that he loves us unconditionally. Know that he surrounds us with his presence and his protection. You know, Psalm 125, this is verse 1 and 2, says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. And as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. Amen. I want to go ahead and have the worship team up and then ask you a question. What do you see when you look through the window of your life? The servant looked through the window and saw an advancing army. What are you focusing on as you look through your window? Is it the troubles? Is it the cares, the worries, the anxiousness? Or are, are you looking up to see God surrounding you? Do you see God's presence? Do you feel his protection? And do you know that his providence has got a great plan for our lives? Or are you just seeing the problem? So whenever we find ourselves in a fear or in doubt, we need to pray as Elisha did and ask God to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and the faith to believe. So may God give us all the ability to see through our Father's eyes. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up my heart.